Hey, welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Chris Colwell. I am the University of Georgia Diving Head Coach. I am also and the head coach of the Georgia Diving Club. And um, the, uh, b- before that, it was the 2008 and 2012 Olympian. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. Um, you know, first and foremost, we always, we always thank our guests for coming on. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you're a two-time Olympian. And for, uh, for Aaron and I, that you're our first Olympian to ever do this. And we are, uh, we were pretty much like bursting at the seams when you emailed us back. And I think we called each other and we're like, oh my God. Um, you know, like I said, pre-show, I think I watched your like zones one and three meter YouTube film uh, so many times in high school. I probably got yelled at so much for watching it. I remember you were the first diver I ever saw do reverse two and a half pike on one meter. I'm like, I don't even know how you do that dive. It was, it was awesome. Awesome. So thank you. Oh, glad to be here. So, yeah, getting right into it, uh, Chris, you were you were an Olympic team member uh, in 2008 and in 2012. Let's just go through kind of your journey um, from a young age to what it was like to contend at Olympic trials, and then eventually what it was like to go on to the Olympics. I mean, I think that's everybody's main goal in our sport. That is the pinnacle. So. Take us back, take us there and what it was like. And um, yeah, tell us the story. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, as a little kid, I've always wanted to make the Olympics. Uh, it was a dream of mine. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to the 2008 Olympics. Um, before then, I don't think many people realized um, what it took to qualify for the Olympic Games at that point. Um, it, there was actually two trials. Um, the first, you know, at the first trial, uh, an individual contest, the winner would automatically get to go. And then uh, the divers that placed um, from second to eighth, they would have to move on to Knoxville the following week to prove competitive readiness uh, and get that second spot. Uh, yeah, let me tell you what, that was probably one of the most stressful two weeks of my life. <laughs> if I had to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, I guess um, at the end of the day, uh, being able to qualify for the Olympics, that was a dream come true. And uh, I, I, I was so happy when uh, that, fi- that time finally came about. And, um, you know, it, 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 because it was such a long process, that uh, both uh, Jevin Tarantino, who was my synchro partner at the time, and I, we weren't, um, we didn't really feel like Olympians at the when we actually made it. And uh, the, the funny story is when, when it took us about maybe three weeks later until we got to the opening ceremonies, we got to hang out with the president of the United States and uh, get to know some of the uh, other athletes like LeBron James. Um, uh, it was just unreal. And being able to be a part of something so special uh, and celebrate something like this together, uh, it, that's when I realized, you know, we were, we were there, we were here to do something, um, you know, more beyond ourselves and um, be something great and, um, and just have fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so what was it like at being at the actual Olympics? Talk about like the, the training um, regimen and, and maybe the schedule a little bit. And then what it was like to compete both individually and synchro with Jevin Tarantino uh, just take me to the actual Olympic Games. What was that like? 
yes, that's a great question. I, I don't really think we had too much time to sit down and uh, to think about anything. Uh, you know, it was very humbling um, to go through the process of learning how to control yourself through the media. Because every day you, um, we would have media training. Um, you know, it, it's funny, people think we, you have to go and compete and do the best that you can, which is true, but you're also doing some other outside training um, that was quite a learning experience. And uh, yes, uh, from the, I'll use 2008 as an example. We went to California um, to, for a training trip. And along that time, we would also uh, spend a, a day to get a travel gear, uh, which is, you know, that was probably a six hour ordeal, just trying to um, get the team together to collect uh, all the Ralph Lauren items, Nike gear, uh, along with Fido. And uh, it, it was pretty cool, uh, but it's, you know, uh, you have to, uh, it was very, um, I guess, like I said before, it's very humbling because you, you have to learn how to take each day, uh, I get the, the experience each day at a time because you can wear yourself out. <laughs> um, so, you know, once we, once we finished that six hour, six hour deal, um, you know, the, we, we stayed, I think about a couple of days later and then we took off to Beijing. Um, uh, going through that, you know, by the time we got to the airport, um, people don't really understand it. Diving is a very big uh, deal in China. Um, we, we actually had people literally outside of the airport just um, waiting for the Olympic athletes to walk out of the airport and, you know, just celebrate us. I mean, it was just unreal. I've never seen anything like it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard when you have a lot of um, outside distractions, um, you know, even at 23 years of age, you would think I've kind of grown up and learned how to handle all that, but it was still a lot to take in. Um, but yeah, so um, the typical scenario um, each day, we were probably there for about for about three weeks and we, we would have at least uh, morning and afternoon practices every, uh, every day. Uh, sometimes we'd probably do an afternoon so we could sleep in. Um, so we were putting in four hours a day and, um, uh, you know, maybe we do some conditioning outside of that. But um, yeah, it's a, um, it, it was definitely a full work day, day um, you know, just going to the village um, and going to the dining hall and, and uh, to the pool. I mean, you just, it was just like clockwork, so. Yeah. Well, I got, I got two dive-specific questions. I looked back at dive meets, and I looked at kind of your statistics throughout your career. And the first question I have is reverse three and a half. That was kind of your best dive. Would you agree? Uh, yes, that was my, my best dive and my favorite dive. <laughs> okay, okay. That's crazy. And then num number two, it used to be 3.9, but you did reverse two and a half, two and a half. Back when you did it, it was three minutes. What made you choose that dive? Was it the degree of difficulty? How how do you even learn that dive? Because it seems like almost nobody does it anymore. And why do you think people don't do it anymore? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. The way I learned to reverse two and a half, two and a half, um, I was actually practicing reverse two and a half, one and a half at the time. And uh, let's just say I decided to 
cut the corner a little bit and uh, I, I somehow over twisted and wound up doing a reverse two and a half double. Nice. <laughs> uh, perfectly on my feet. I looked to my coach wondering what, what happened. Um, and he looked at me and he's like, you know what? I think there's potential there. This, we can actually do two and a half, two and a half. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I guess it's, it's easy to convince me to do something. I, I just looked at Dan, my former coach and said, you know what, let's try it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a tough dive. I, I don't think uh, it was, the hardest part was actually going on uh, without balking. So it just really, um, you know, you just had to, being able to keep your focus doing that dive every day was um, a difficult task to say the least. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, uh, twisters were my forte and I, I, I wasn't a very, um, I, with my diving, my, my stunts were, uh, obviously I could jump very high, um, but I wasn't a very, uh, a fast spinner. So I tried to use twister as my way to uh, catch up to people on DD. Um, and, you know, the 3.9, that's obviously uh, the way to go. And it worked <laughs> out to my advantage in some cases and sometimes, sometimes it didn't. Um, and then yes, they lowered the DD. Um, I guess the following year and that was an absolute bummer because I didn't know what to do at that point and I uh, had to use reverse three and a half twister uh, as a backup which actually worked worked out well but um, I really wanted to have two and a half two and a half in the bag in the bag yeah yeah um you know kind of touching on that you know you said it was pretty easy to convince you to try some new dives you know, what kind of gave you that mentality? Was it your trust with your coach? You know, it sounds like you and Dan had such a great relationship and for him to say, Hey, I think you can do this. You know, you're like, okay, like what, what kind of helped get that mentality for you throughout your diving career? Cause I don't think some people have that. No, I think growing up, I spent a lot of time doing dry land with the, my club coach, Joe Greenwell, uh, just having the, the exposures to something uh, like that was, uh, fantastic. I probably did about, you know, three hours every other day of dry land, uh, working on belts. And there were times where he would put me in the spotting apparatus and, you know, spin me seven or eight, maybe 10 flips at a time. Um, uh, so I, I guess um, I might have a little bit of craziness in me. But, um, but the real answer, to, you know, I think with me, I guess I was different than most. Um, if, if I guess if I trusted somebody uh, enough, um, because I, I was a, I was the type of person if somebody told me to do something, I would do it exactly that. Um, I guess that would make me coachable, and a lot of coaches like that. I I, I would have a feeling, but um, I, I did trust Dan. I mean, he knew um, what it took for me uh, to get to where I needed to be, um, and you know, obviously, I think if I can if I trust somebody, and, and if you tell me to do something and try to do something that's going to better yourself. Uh, I'm game. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of segues pretty well kind of in the next subject that I, I'm really interested in. So, um, you know, you're in a situation where you took over for a diving coaching legend in Dan and it's your alma mater and you had so much success there as an athlete and, and I'm not in that much of a dissimilar situation. Like my coach was at Clarion for 31 years. They've had all kinds of success. This will be my first year taking over at my alma mater. How did you handle that transition from elite? I mean, you were the top of the top. You reached the pinnacle of our sport, everybody's dream. 
and to transition to coaching at your alma mater and replacing the guy that taught you so much? Like what's, what's that process been like? What, what made you nervous? Where, where were you worried if you had any worries and kind of walk me through that? Uh, yes, absolutely. It would, um, I say it was, it, it still is tough. <laughs> uh, I'm going to my, I'm uh, entering my fourth year and I'm not afraid to say it. I, 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 Dan and I are best friends and we talk all the time and we actually play golf. We try to play golf once a week. Um, awesome. And, it, you know, it, I think that's nice to others and keep giving myself is, you know, you just keep asking questions that, uh, that you know, you can't afraid, be afraid to try things, uh, you know, your own way. But um, yeah, I think, I think the, for the longest time, you know, what Dan did so well, I'm trying to do exactly what he did, but he's had 30 plus years and <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just not going to work. You, you have to, I need to come down a little bit and just do what works for me um, and just take, you know, some good advice along the way. Um, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's going to continue to be difficult, but uh, I think the, the, the main important thing is as long as you enjoy what you do and you have the passion for it, it um, you know, it, it makes things a lot easier to uh, get through the day. Absolutely. You know, so, so I guess what was that more, more specifically going from being an athlete to being a coach? You know, I, I was fortunate I had some success at the division two level, nothing like yourself, but I think I always had that worry, like, oh, am I going to be that, that coach that was a really good diver and I'm not a really good coach. And, and fortunately I've had success, but it's kind of what you said. Like I've been passionate and I, I love making mistakes and learning from them, but what was that like for you and on the mental side of it, transitioning from athlete to coach? Um, I think it, it, it had been, it has been tough, you know, coming home, talking to my wife, um, you know, sometimes I would ask questions and, um, you know, wondering if I'm doing the right thing and uh, that happens all the time. And I think it, uh, I'm a perfectionist, so I want to do the best that I can. Um, it, it, it had been tough. I'll be honest. Um, I think it's just, you know, I think you just, ha it's important to have the, the right, um, you know, support staff around you. And I mean, you can't do everything on your own. Um, and if you can, you know, ask for help along the way. And I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, things will be okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, my goal is to uh, achieve the level as a coach, as I was an athlete. Um, yeah, there, there's always going to be some, you know, thoughts in my head. And it's like, well, am I going to be as good as a coach as I was an athlete? I could do that all day long, but that's not going to do me any good. Um, yeah. uh, it, 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 I've had 30 years. I, I'm the only, uh, I think I'm one of the few uh, people that can say that I'm 36 years old and have 30 years of diving experience. <laughs> I mean, uh, if there's somebody out there, please let me know. Um, but yeah, I think, it, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's the best uh, way I can describe it. So, yeah. Okay, let's segue. You said a trigger word for me, and you said you like to golf. Like, how's your game? How, how's the golf game? Uh, right now, um, I'm a 10 handicap. I'm trying to get into the single. But... All right. You and I are pretty close. You and I are pretty yeah. close. I was holding a five for a little while, but uh, that'd be a good matchup. Are you watching the U.S. Open? Uh, I was until uh, now I'm on the call <laughs> with you guys. But, yeah, um... who, who schedules this during the U.S. <laughs> Open? I tell you what. Yeah. That's all right. so, I'd rather be here anyway. Uh, so. Yeah, for sure. Any, any time to talk diving is a good time. Um, 
I'm going to just get right into my signature question. What is your favorite failure? You know, everybody has something that you either did that was dumb or you did and you just, it, it didn't go the way you wanted. And so you learned tremendously from it. What, what do you have for us there? Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a lot of failures. Um, I think on a, on a personal note, I think it might be on the funny side. Don't take this the wrong way, but I think uh, my first marriage was actually a failure. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if that hadn't happened, uh, I don't think I would have been in Georgia coaching my dream job. Um, and, 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 you know, the, everything kind of, you know, I, I guess not everybody, but for me, it, it did work out in my favor. And, um, you know, it got um, kind of, worked hard and, uh, you know, got to where I wanted to be and it worked out for me. Um, I, on a, on a diving note. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I don't know if I have a particular favorite failure, but, um, I, there, there are times where, um, I don't really like to focus on the failures because, um, as an athlete, I think I focused on failure too much. Um, and I worked with a sports psychologist and, you know, it, it got down to the point where you need to just focus on, you know, what's the one good thing that happened today. And, um, and, you know, and that kind of, I know that's such a simple thing to do to maybe for most, but for me, that was actually pretty difficult because I could, I could focus on, you know, yes, I will point um, point my hand uh, hitting the water the wrong way. Um, and I would let that determine, you know, how I'm doing or how I'm doing as an athlete or where I am. And um, it, it, I think, I think the, the biggest thing, takeaway from this is, you know, you, you really have to just focus on the overall picture and just focus on the pop, you know, one positive thing at a time, because um, once you're there to compete uh, at a high level meet, it all starts over. Everybody's it's fair game for everyone. And, and you just, you know, once you um, get there and you're in the, uh, the bright light, uh, the air is different. And um, yeah, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's interesting. You say that, you know, my, one of my, I had two coaches in college, uh, one halfway through my time just had to, you know, different life choice had to do something else, but she always used to say the same thing that you alluded to. I would come out of the water and I would go long. And the next thought in my head was don't go long. And she would look at me and she would say, Aaron, let's just flip that. You're, you're not wrong. However, if you have a negative attitude towards a dive, it's always going to be negative. So find a way to flip it. Instead of saying to yourself, don't go long, say to yourself, hey, I'm going to go on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit this one this time. You know? And so that was, that, that's interesting that you say that because that's exactly how kind of I was taught you know, all the way up. So. Yeah. I and mean, sometimes, uh, you know, if you're told to do something like go long and you go long and you get mad, uh, it's like, well, you, you, you're forgetting, you know, you know, perfect step here. It's like you're doing something, you're trying to make correction um, to make something work. Yeah. The end result may not be there right now, but you, at least you got to give yourself a chance to see what the dive feels like. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, maybe, maybe I'm, uh, I got too far ahead in the game when I tried to coach my divers this, but um, you know, they're looking for the, uh, the end results right there, but I'm trying to get them to that step and uh, you know, we'll get to that end result, but I want to see what, you know, it, the correction that you make, uh, what that looks like. And if that makes it, I'll see it better, but the diver may not see that as better, but yeah. Right there. Yeah. That's awesome that you mentioned. That. I was actually working with a young lady today 
And she just was going so slow on back one and a half pike. And I was like, Hey, I just want you to get your arms through. I want you to make it spin. And she, she missed the entry long. And she's like, it was horrible. And I'm like, no, you did exactly what I asked you to do. Like now let's fix the takeoff. Let's fix these little things. But I'm like, it's, it's steps. And I think it's, it's, it's neat to hear you say that. Cause it like reinforces some of the things Aaron and I like to do um, kind of to circle back real quick. You know, you mentioned that you uh, you were able to work with a sports psychologist. So my background is a little bit in counseling. Um, you know, what what was that like for you, if you don't mind sharing, like working with a sports psychologist? What were some of the things that they had you do as an athlete? Did you start that at an early age when you were in college? Like, when did, what did that look like for you? Um, I can give you a specific example. Uh, you know, prior to 2008, I, I, I worked with a sports psychologist. Um whom I can mention, his name is Dr. Carr. Um, he was uh, great for me. Um, he, you know, he, I, uh, you know, there were, there were some uh, sports psychologists that I've worked with in, the, um, in high school, but that didn't really work out. And, uh, you know, I finally found somebody that uh, worked, that I worked well with. Um, and, you know, the one, um, the one takeaway that I can provide, um, that he, he, he told me to try something a little bit different because he, he must have learned how I thought about diving and how I, you know, conducted myself um, at meets. And he, he was a pretty, he's a pretty smart guy. So this is what he um, tried to share with me. Uh, he, he went up to me at one session and said, Chris, I want you to try something. I want you to visualize your best dive um, and tell me where the, you know, where you did your best back two and a half where did you do your best front three and a half pike? Um, and, and, he, and then he told me to, to execute those dives um, wherever I am. So for example, if I was at Olympic Child and um, let's just say Seattle, um, uh, and, and I'm, I'm you know, thinking about a back two and a half that I did really well in Ohio State, I'm actually imagining that dive and I'm trying to visualize that dive and I would execute it. And it, it actually worked really well for me. <laughs> Um, I, I think, I don't think that's something that, um, that easy to do, but, uh, you know, he, I, I think what it wound up doing for me is it, it made me feel like I was at home cause I was traveling a lot yeah. and, and, you know, when things don't go well, the first thing you want to do is go home and fix things. And that wasn't, it. And I think, you know, like so Chris's suggestion was, uh, just try to visualize, think about, you know, where you, where you feel at home and where your best dives were done and just execute that. And, um, and it, you know, I, I want to say there was a probably more than a 90% chance of working, um, maybe not every time, but it was, it was, it was pretty darn close. Wow. So, all right. So that leads me to a good question. So if you had to redo that exercise now in this moment, what dive would you think of as like, that's the best dive I ever did in my career? Oh man, um, <laughs> I guess I'll have to use reverse three and a half since that's my favorite dive. Um, <laughs> I think my best gain of three and a half was in uh, Seattle Olympic Childs. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, kind of to just follow up on a few things, it sounded like you, you had a great relationship with your age group coach, with your college coach. So you now as a coach, what are you doing to develop those same strong relationships with your athletes? Um, yeah, that's a good question, uh, especially on the college front. Uh, you know, I, I think it's the, the number one, uh, you know, college and club are, are two different 
uh, aspect for sure. Um, and I think with, with college, I think I have a good thing going because I, um, I, most of you may know this, I'm, I'm a very patient person. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I'm a big believer that it's, it's more than the sport of diving, um, you know, to, and, you know, college kids probably have a lot, um, you know, they're pretty stressed all the time. Um, you know, they, they, they got quite a uh, schedule with all the classes they're taking and then, um, you know, doing all the extracurriculars and uh, working hard and putting in 20, 20 hours a week. Uh, it, it's not very easy. And, you know, sometimes I, just, I, I take that into consideration because I've, I've done that myself, obviously, um, you know, just. Uh, I guess I just kind of look for, I just try to make sure, you know, I'm, I always pick up the nonverbal cues and make sure like, um, you know, because it, it, just to decide whether or not practice is going to be productive or not. Um, I, and that, that's probably like one of my, um, I think Dan did that with me a lot. Um, Cause like, obviously I, I was a talented, talented diver and I was capable of doing well every day, but there was just some days where I just couldn't do it. Um, uh, for whatever reason, and you know, you just say, you know what, you just let's just take a step back, and we'll we'll do something else instead. Um, so that's that's the one thing I like that the relationship Dan and I had. He was able to, you know, um, read me pretty well, um, and I, I think that's important, especially when you when you have divers competing at a high level. I mean, uh, uh, it, it's very hard to keep that going for a long period of time. Um, and as for club, uh, I think I mentioned this before, but. It, you know, what's really important is, you know, try to keep things fun and a lot of dry land activities. Um, I, I know it sounds silly and you don't really want to dive for three hours or two to three hours in the water. Um, Cause it, you know, it gets a little bit, um, I guess a little bit mundane, but you know, dry land, a lot, everybody wants to jump on the trampoline. Everybody wants to be in belt. Um, and I think, you know, as a club coach, you just have to make sure that you're, you're aware of that and, um, you know, try to keep things different each day. Yeah. Hey, Chris, as you were talking, I noticed you're wearing your, uh, your, your ring, your Olympic ring. Yeah. What's the, what's the story there? I mean, that's awesome. Does everybody on the team just get one? Like what's the process there? Well, I, I have more than one ring, so. Yes. <laughs> Actually this particular ring, uh, this is from London, but, uh, the way it works, uh, we get the, um, the five rings, uh, in, from, uh, this was actually a USA diving thing. Um, uh, from what I was told, uh, you know, it came from a jewel, jeweler somewhere in, um, I guess Miami at the time. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say who started the idea, but I think it kind of kept, uh, that would disclose, not disclose at the, uh, for the time being, but, uh, yeah. but the long standing history is all, all the U.S. divers, um, when they qualify, they get the Olympic ring, uh, for free, um, and, you know, and I didn't realize that. I thought that was just a given. Everybody gets to win. And because I found that out by a, from a diver named Nicholas Baker in, um, from England. He's like, where did you get the ring? I'm like, well, you didn't get one. You're here. Why didn't you get one? <laughs> <laughs> and so he found out, the, you know, I found out the hard way. And, um, you know, I think over time, uh, the Australian team and the, um, the British team, they, they started to get involved. This is the one that was uh, supplied from by USA Diving, and we actually get another ring from the U.S. Olympic Committee. They they would give you um, 
I guess a free ring. And if you wanted to add diamond to it, you'd just pay the difference. Uh, and of course, my first time around, I had to add some diamond to the ring. So I, oh, I yeah. maybe about a thousand bucks, which I way more than I should have. <laughs> hey, that, that, that doesn't happen to very many people. And, you know, fortunate for you, you got two of them, but I didn't know that story. That's, that's awesome. I love that USA Diamond does that. And then, you know, furthermore, the Olympic committee got it to get you to, to bling something up too. That's nice. <laughs> Uh, so now is, I guess it would be a, a logical question. Is the goal to get one of those rings as a coach? Uh, yeah, it's so all the coaches get one as well. Nice. So you got to add one of those in the future here. Uh, hopefully so. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, that kind of leads me to some of my questions that I have. So what's the best advice you have either given and or received from somebody, whether that's personally, athletically, whatever you would look back and be like, that was really good advice that I got or given to somebody. Uh, I think the, the most important one, uh, it, it sounds pretty simple, but this is from my dad. Uh, at, at every junior meet, he would always just, uh, you know, look at me and just shake my hand. He said, hey, before every meet, he said, give me nines and have fun. Um <laughs> Obviously, I didn't get nines all the time, but um, just having fun, uh, you know, I, it was very important for him to say that to me because I think when, as a little kid, I, I, might, I may have, um, you know, stomped my foot on the ground a couple of times when I didn't do well. And um, I don't know if we want to get into that, but um, let's just say I learned over time how to conduct myself in a better, better way uh, when I didn't win. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I think 12, 15, I don't know, I guess 12 years later, um, you know, when I was just having trouble, uh, you know, with, with diving, because I, I, after college, I tried to continue diving on a professional level. Um, and that wasn't, that took a lot of fun out of it for me. And I didn't really enjoy uh, what I was doing. Um, I was just, I was just distracted by a lot of other things. Um, I guess it being a 23, you know, there's always, things that, you know, it's, I guess you could say it's easily to be distracted. Um, but, you know, I, I think when I got to my last two years of my career, I just, I really just thought about, you know, what my dad said a long time ago, uh, you know, you just give me nines and have fun. Cause I really didn't dive well, unless I was, you know, if I wasn't having any fun. And I don't know if you watched a 2000 Olympic trial or 2012 trial, um, I, in the preliminaries, I actually missed my gain of three and a half twister. I got only got about 50 points. And, you know, right then and there, I, I thought it was kind of over, but I, really, I didn't have a give up attitude, but it was really hard to climb up the ladder. And um, we, we had to do semifinals and finals, and that was spread out in the next uh, four days. Um, so I had a lot of catching up to do, and I was just trying to get the second spot. And, you know, and I just, you know, I just kept telling myself, hey, you've already hit rock bottom. You, you can't, can't get out of this. So might as well just give me, I might as well just give myself some nines and have some fun. And I treated it way differently than I normally would have. And I, I didn't miss a single dive uh, from that point on. That's wow. awesome. You, so, Chris, you sound like a really fun-loving guy. How do you stay fun at a meet, at a pressure situation? What do you do? You got headphones on. How do you stay kind of cool and calm amidst, I guess, the chaos? Uh, the, the one thing I really learned how to do is create a routine for myself. I, I think I would pick about five to six things. Um, after every dive, I would do the exact same thing. 
Um, for example, I, you know, I'd get out of the water, talk to my coach, and then I would just probably go about 30 yards away, just kind of hang out. And, um, I guess like if we had a really nice diving facility, so there's like a swim recreational center area, I would hang out and just be by myself for about 10 minutes, listen to the same song uh, over and over again. It's a little redundant, but it, it worked for me. So I'd listen to the same song over and over again, um, take the headphones off, and then I'd start walking um, in a certain way back to back to the three meter springboard. Um, you know, I, and I'd probably grab some trail mix on the way. So like, it would be the exact same routine after every dive. Um, it, it, I, it's not normal, I, I guess, in my opinion. Um, but you know, that, that's the only way you can keep all the distraction out. Cause you just look forward to the, you know, what's in front of you. Right. Right. It's what's your song share? Uh, well, I listened to a lot of, um, I think for whatever reason, what's that, uh, song, um, I think it's by Black Eyed Peas. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was like, um, it sounds like boom, boom or something like that. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for whatever reason, that was a song of the choice. But um, but for the most part, I listened to a lot of Linkin Park. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I don't know if that's old school, but yeah, um, I grew up listening to Linkin Park, and uh, I knew all, all the words to that uh, every song, and just had to go with it. There that's you awesome. Go. That's awesome. So um, so what's your favorite as a coach? What's your favorite drill to have your kids doing? It might be different for college or club. Uh, whether that's dry land water, you know, what kind of drills do you like to do with your kids? Uh, my favorite drill is, um, I guess I have two in the water specifically. I, I love doing um, one and a half, like back and gaining one and a half, uh, double bouncing. And, uh, you know, I think kicking out, kicking out of the water and just staying a hollow and then pressing through into the water. Um, I, you know, I, I really think that's, that's crucial. If you can do, if you can, you know, try to do at least, um, I just say four to five of them and just land on your head and go straight, um, just to, you know, work on creating awareness. I really think that's uh, pivotal to success. And um, I guess for me personally, I, I was, I, I mentioned this before, uh, I was just, I wasn't the fastest spinner and uh, I had to work on front four and a half a lot. And I could, it was really difficult for me to come out of that dive. So I actually did spend a lot of time doing standing front three and a half, uh, just to focus on just the kick out. Um, I think that's uh, valuable as well. I mean, I can, um, you know, there, there are times when I try to, you know, create scenarios for divers where they may not have uh, a ton of time to make their dive, but they can break things down and do, you know, one less flip standing and just work on just finishing the, the you know, the completion of the dive. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I just, I guess what, what was it like? I'm just curious. Cause I'm coming up on my first day at, at Clarion here, July 1st. What was it like the first time you got to go into the pool as the university of Georgia's coach? Ah, uh, it was, uh, it was unreal. Um, I mean, I felt right at home. Uh, I, yeah, it, 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 that's just the way it was. I'm, you know, I was just really happy when I walked in, um, you know, I could just, just walking in, into the pool and just remember, you know, thinking about all the memories I had um, as a diver. Um, I, I certainly, you know, I felt very comfortable about where, you know, where I am. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, it's just nothing like it. And I think the only, the only scary part was that, you know, I knew that I had to um, work with, 
you know, Dan, my former coach, uh, coach Diver. So he, they probably had a good system going. And then, uh, you know, I was just, I was a, a little bit worried about, you know, how they were going to react to anything I said. Um, so, and, and, and a lot of divers will, will share their story. I actually didn't coach very much the first two days. Um, and, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, that, this is something that I picked up from Matt Goggin, um, uh, he's the Texas coach, uh, you know, because sometimes he had to work with me uh, when Dan couldn't go to um, a certain uh, world level meet. And, and Goggin would actually, you know, you know, do me a favor and help Dan out by coaching me. And there were some dives I would do and he would actually look at me for a solid 30 seconds without saying anything. And I'm like, I'm, what, 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 okay, this is getting a little awkward. What do we <laughs> what do I need to know? He's like, no, I'm just processing the dive in my head. Was, and then before I want to say anything, because whatever I say is going to matter. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Um, so and I, I kind of, you know, use that logic a little bit. And uh, I wanted to get to know the divers and, you know, understand what makes them tick before I even start coaching, because you, you can't really just start coaching off the bat because you, 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 know, you have to develop some sort of relationship and get to know them um, and know what works for them, because not, not one thing is going to work for every single person. Right. Yeah. So, hey, Chris, do you ever uh, do you ever get on the board every once in a while? You ever throw a suit on and just say, yeah, I can still do front three and a half. Uh, I can't get into a suit anymore, but uh, <laughs> I think I don't know. I think about a month ago I, I was in some. Uh, well, I just got into my uh, shorts and um, I, I threw a gain of one and a half. It was pretty, it was pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> still got it. Still got oh, it. that's awesome. Um, you know, I think uh, it's really neat to hear that your best advice kind of came from your dad. It's kind of appropriate on Father's Day here. And, uh, you know, I guess that kind of leads me, you know, you shared with us, you're uh, looking forward to having a baby girl here in a couple months. So what are you looking forward to from fatherhood? Oh, man. Um, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason, I, I, I guess I was looking forward to having a girl. And um, my wife is, um, I think she was hoping for a boy. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> she she knows that um you know I, I i may have a tendency to give in on some occasions so i, I have <laughs> one, um we've already we've already named her aubrey so i have a feeling when she wraps my her hand around my fingers it's going to be game over and i'm probably going <laughs> to let her get away with most so <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well again congratulations that, yeah awesome. i i th i think i'm with you too uh on that one when the time does come for at some point long in the future for children, I, I I'd be really excited for a girl, man. I, I get, I just get a kick. I think I communicate a little bit better with them you know, when I'm coaching and just interacting. It's just, you, you gotta, you gotta be very clear and very straightforward and you know, they can't read our brains. <laughs> um, so, so I guess kind of looking you know, the last week or so, you know, how much did you get to watch Olympic trials? What were your takeaways from seeing Olympic trials? Maybe whether it's the men's side, where men's diving is at now versus, you know, only nine years ago when you were still competing, like, what did you take away from it? Uh, you know, I, there was a lot of interesting uh, uh, takeaways from that, from the trials. Um, I think the, the one thing that I picked up on was the, the, obviously everyone knows that we're sending a young team to Tokyo, um, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if, if 
all it took was, um, you know, another year for the ones that were a little too young and they developed, you know, some more, more of a skill set. Um, and then um, just, you know, I, I don't know. I think it, they just uh, developed, you know, that, that's all they needed to, um, to do well. Um, I, know, I know that with, with COVID, it, it was very hard for a lot of people to, to have consistent training. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was, um, I'm actually pretty excited to see the young team go because, um, you know, that's going to look very good. And obviously for 2024, uh, and I think, you know, we, I think uh, Team USA, we have a, a pretty strong history of um, sending divers that are 24 and older. Um, it's just nice to see a little bit of a change this time around. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to it. Absolutely. You know, you, you kind of mentioned the training, um, you know, Obviously, uh, Aaron and I have zero clue what it is even like to train for an Olympics. You know, is that something that is planned out two, three, four years in advance? Or is that just kind of part of your yearly cycle? And it's like, oh, it's Olympic year. This is when trials are. This is when NCAAs are. What does that look like as a coach or as an athlete? Oh, man, that was really – it was really tough um, just to be able to handle the highs and lows, uh, especially, um, you know, for a lot of the athletes. They, you know, they go to World Cup uh in february and sometimes they you know when they get back from world cup to you know to get the spot for the uh for the country um in order for them for the team usa to go to the game they would have to come back home to um you know compete at the conference championships and uh, and then ncaa's and then after ncaa's they would have trials a couple months later um that that to me that's a that's a lot of um, that requires a lot of, I guess, organization uh, on the coach's part to, you know, to kind of accept when you need to do well and when you don't. Um, uh, it, it, it's hard to keep a, um, a competitive list for such a long period of time. Um, you know, you, there's going to be misses along the way, but, uh, you know, I think when you have the trust with the coach and the athlete and just uh, do the best you can and, um, you know, just really, you have, for me personally, I, it was very important for me to stay in shape because, you know, when you, uh, I, I, I put a lot of conditioning and um, well, actually I focused a lot on conditioning uh, to make sure that I was, um, you know, staying a little bit in shape. If I felt a little flow off the diving board, uh, I was spinning a little flow. Um, I would actually just um, try to do a little bit, a little bit of weights or, you know, run a couple miles just to feel like I'm just uh, fine tuning some uh, muscles, if you will. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really tough. Um, I, I mean, that I think organization is key. Uh, and Dan would been at that. Uh, that's for USA diving. Um, I mean, the amount of uh, organizational skill that that guy has is, is beyond impressive. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I guess one la one last question for me. Then I'm all done. I promise. Um, is you know, out of all the extra mental exercises you've kind of been given throughout being an athlete throughout your time in coaching, you know, maybe for some of our listeners, what are some exercises that you like to have your athletes do for the mental side of diving? You know, if it's that visualization of the best one you ever did, or what are some other pieces of advice you would give to our young divers or college divers that are listening now? Um, you know, as far as visualization, I think, it's, um, I don't know if that's something that can be taught. I mean, I think it, it at least, um, it's very, it's difficult to teach something like that anyways. Um, but what I, what I have tried, uh, actually in the last couple of years, I've I, I tried to work on creating scenarios, um, because 
I'm a big um, believer in, you know, if you're missing a dive, you can always climb your way back up, you know, or uh, Bob, um, the former Iowa coach said, you know, you just always keep scratching and clawing. You never give up. Um, and I take that advice to, that's one of the, the advice that I give to heart anyways. Um, but yeah, so I guess, for example, on a Saturday or, you know, Saturday morning practice, I would take one of my divers and be like, all right, look, you scored 200 points in the first three dives. You need to be at 210, but, you know, you lost some points, but let's focus on the last three dives and, and end it, you know, as strong as possible. Let's see what you can do. So we'll do three lifts of the last three dives for this person and just kind of see how she, he, he or she fares. Um, it's a... It's a, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's not doing a full list, but uh, I like I, I like to keep uh, playing with that method and uh, try to keep creating scenarios for divers and put them in the spot and see what the outcome lie. I really like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, one more question I had for you. Every time I go to a meet, every time I've seen other coaches at a meet, it all sound, seems like it's a really friendly atmosphere. You mentioned Matt Scoggin. What's your relationship with other coaches and what is it like at that top level when you go to meets? Is it a, a more cutthroat situation? Is it, you know, all encompassing welcoming? What's it like at the top division one level? Um, I think, I think for the most part, um, you know, diving is a small family. So we're all here to help each other out, especially when we're at a, in a different country and we're, we're all trying to achieve a common goal uh, to get medals and um, you know, represent USA well. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, I, you know, there are some situations where, um, you know, a diver and a coach may not get along and, you know, that, 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 that happens all the time. And I think, you know, you just choose not to hang out with somebody um, or not get, you know, uh, you know, who, you know, what works for you. And, and sometimes you just, but we can keep, uh, keep things civilized for sure. Um, Cause you know, I think it's just a little bit, different when if you're back in the United States and there's, you know, people that don't get along but when you go overseas, I think that kind of gets pushed to the side because we know what the, um, the common goal is. And, you know, we can actually, you know, uh, I get be friends and, uh, you know, if there are, I guess, cases where people don't get along, but for the most part, we were pretty, I think we all got along pretty well. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what everybody has ever told me. And that's what I witness and watch. And it's pretty cool that, you know, this sport, like you said, it's just a small family and, and everybody in this diving family is connected in one way or another to somebody. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to, uh, to hear you talk about that. Heath, did you have anything else for the man? Honestly, just thank you. I, uh, you know, we, we jumped on and before the show, like I really meant it, like it was really kind of, I was very starstruck. Like when I was in 2006, I remember cause we, Aaron and I watched the video before we got on with you. I was like, Aaron, I watched this video. I think there's like 10,000 views. And I think I watched it 9,000 of those times. And, and I remember sitting in my, uh, my computer lab classes and just watching you dive over and over. I'm like, man, if I can ever figure out how to do this. So you were really someone that helped motivate me and, and, you know, try new things. And I never tried some of the things you did, but, you know, I, as a young athlete, I really, really looked up to you. And in those 2008, 2012 Olympics, I was so excited to just watch you dive. And uh, it was really cool to get to talk to you. And I just really thank you for your time this evening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. I mean, if you guys, um, obviously, if you guys need anything from me, you 
uh, you know, like I will uh, to help you out. And I'm sure there'd be time where you guys may be able to help me out. So <laughs> look forward to it. Well, maybe, maybe uh, one of these years we'll have to uh, come down, visit you at Georgia, take you out on the golf course. We'll see how that goes. It, uh, yeah. Hopefully uh, I'll be a nine handicap by then. So I'll there you the go. Cart. Yeah. You'll be kicking my butt. <laughs> I'll drive the cart. I can handle that. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody out there, hit us up Twitter, Instagram. We are the diving pod. Our Gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com. If you have any follow-up questions for Chris Colwell, we'll try to email them his way and uh, get those answered for you. But yeah, thanks again, Chris. And um, we will see you next time. Okay.